a murderous Ronald McDonald. You know, like like we get the Sony logo, and then we get like like credits rolling a little bit, and we get like 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 you know the Venom in like in like the symbiote like letters and stuff like that, and then it slow pans from the floor all the way up as we're seeing just like red strands of hair falling. <laughs> but but just to really tease us, it it comes up higher, and and we see that there's like that like the person cutting the person's hair uh, it, it hands are covered in blood, and then we see like a dead barber to to over on the other side, and it's Cletus Cassidy cutting his own hair, and he just slit the barber's throat. Now we're going for that hard R, and he's just he's just ramming his dick down down the dude's like <laughs> headless corpse. <laughs> Oh, I'm saving all this pre-roll stuff. Welcome to Super Movie Brothers. Let's start the show. Super Movie Brothers. I'm your host, Super Movie Brother Dave. I'm your host, Super Movie Brother Jay. This is episode 223. This week, me and Jay are going to discuss some of the things we've been watching this week in What Are You Watching? And then we got a couple of brief news stories to go through. And we're also uh, in What Are You Watching? Me and Jay have a review for Netflix's latest film, Project Power, uh, which I desperately wanted to be kind of like a, uh, you know, like a Rocket Power movie. You remember Rocket <laughs> Power? You know, the old Nicktoon that, sure. that was done by the sure. people who made Rugrats. Rocket Power! But it, it wasn't. It, it turned out to be something extremely different. And then uh, me and Jay have a top five list. This is the top five most exciting directors. Now, this list uh, is, we should add, uh, of this decade. So, yeah. More of like a, like a current working, like most recent ones that are getting uh, super excited for what they're going to do right. next. All young bucks and does, you know, filled with cum and just you know, vigor, ready to take on the world. They only have a couple movies under their belt, but god damn, have we liked what they've made so far. So that's the type of list that we're going to be doing. Stick with us as me and Jay head into What Are You Watching? What are you watching? What are we watching? He's trying to watch some illegal channel. Oh, he's watching. No, 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 go past this. Past this part. In fact, never play this again. So what'd you get down to watching this week? Well, I did a couple of rewatches of Sing Street and also Star Wars Rogue One. I also rewatched um, Solo. So I, I watched Rogue One because I watched Solo early, early last week. Is it possible that uh, he could show up on, on your list, maybe? The director of Rogue One? Mm. No? No. Uh, I mean, anyway. honorable well, mention. I mean, I I fully respect that filmmaker. I I I actually watched his first movie when it came out. Like, oh, you no, mean I'm talking like nobody saw that movie. You mean you <laughs> mean it was a monsters? monsters? Monsters yeah. Yeah. to stop those monsters. One, two, three. Here's our brand new plan. You've got to see. It's got Paul Lanka's guarantee. Guarantee void in Tennessee. Just don't look. Just don't look. That's a Simpsons reference for everybody about yes. monsters. 
<laughs> anyway. Yeah, it was fantastic. It's a fantastic film. Please go seek it out. It's a great little indie darling. Um, and uh, but yeah, I mean, you know, it's he, he he's a worthy candidate. Put it that way. So, I mean, I know why you rewatched Rogue One. We talk about Rogue One all the time. Best Star Wars prequel, best Star Wars film, uh, you know, of the of the Disney uh, revival of the Disney Renaissance of it, or whatever you want to yeah. call it. Yeah, it, I mean, it's, you know, it's the best one. I I got I watched like I said I watched Solo again, and and I think we brought it up in the show maybe an episode or two or three ago, and it's kind of been on my radar. I I I just need I needed to see how it held up. I really did, and. You know, it's fun. It's enjoyable. And goddamn, it really is really dark. I mean, like my first impressions when I saw it in the theater, even um, the cinematography, and I know I understand it. I mean, it, it makes sense for that world, but as a filmmaking perspective for the film goers who you're making it for, you still need to see some shit. <laughs> and there were some heavily dark scenes that were not lit well at all um i do like the cinematographer in general rather quite a bit and you know he's actually doing uh the new dune movie with denis villeneuve so you know he, he's he's pretty he's got some chops and, and 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 his chops are are pretty well regarded i think in hollywood right now and he's a young guy but yeah, but anyway, I know what you're saying. I know anyway, what you're saying. The, but, the bar scene, you know, the quote unquote cantina scene where he comes into and he plays, he plays against uh, Lando for the first time. In, in uh, well, that's one of them. But I mean, I'm talking about like the, the opening of the movie. You know, when he's like in yeah. his old world and he's a scoundrel and he steals the car, like but all yeah, that kind of stuff. That's and, that's dark. The the card game. I mean, just when I say dark, I don't mean dark in tone. I mean just darkly lit. Yeah. Yeah. And then the whole first planet that we go on where he's a mud trooper against Chewbacca and stuff like that in mm-hmm. the mud pit and stuff. That's extremely dark, too. It doesn't actually brighten up until yeah, you like, get in the sand. So, yeah. yeah, it's, it's very muddy. It is a very muddy movie. Yeah. And I respect yeah. it. And that's the thing. I think and, and hence, you know, it's kind of goes it leads into like it doesn't have that May summer movie feel. You know, that was shot in a way that should have been released in the December time slot for that film but you know i don't want to go on a tangent about it but you know it's but it's just one of those kind of things that that all comes into play you know your tone of your film a lot of times especially if it's a big ten tent pole it's got to kind of coincide with the right. world that we're living in you know like you come in with flip-flops and shorts you know with a fresh suntan the last thing you want to do is like feel like you're in See, this See, I don't feel that way. Dark- I feel like I'm watching a movie that is about the underbelly of the Star Wars universe, the crime in the Star Wars universe. So I I want a little bit I want a little bit of darkness. I want a little bit of scum and well, villainy. I, I'm not saying I don't want it. I'm just saying put it out in fucking December, not May. <laughs> anyway, we're going to move on. So uh, another thing that I got down to watching this week, Jay, is uh, I watched the sequel season to Umbrella Academy, Umbrella Academy season two. Yeah. I still love it. I fucking loved it. I love the tone of the first Umbrella Academy season. Um, this one is definitely you know talking about brightness like this one's definitely like a, a brighter tone it, it, it takes place in dallas it's 1963 everyone's kind of got like new stories and everything like that i i really enjoyed it i still love this broken family dynamic that they have throughout the throughout the entire series um it's it's very fun i love the way they infuse music i know gerald way the the writer of the comic book does not like the use of popular music 
throughout the series because that's not the way he would do it. However, he does like the way that the the showrunner does fit it in and, and, and feels that like each song that they use is appropriate. And it is. It, it works so well and, and it's it's so much fun. It adds a lot of life and energy to it. And uh, yeah, I, I absolutely loved this season. I don't want to spoil anything, but you know, it's it, it's nice to see to see that they were able to go to to new depths with each and every single one of these characters. For the most part, uh, I think a few of them that, that, that you know they they kind of waded into shallow end instead of diving into the deep end with. But with several of the siblings, they did they did dive into uh, into a deeper end of the pool with them. And I absolutely I absolutely loved getting that. And um, you know I think in the first season I I had a favorite character and it was Klaus. And I come into the second season and. And my favorite character is now number five, so. <laughs> I'd ask what you're up to, Klaus, but then it occurred to me. I don't care. Uh, it right. flip-flops. I, I love both of them, but uh, if you were a fan of season one, you're going to be a fan of season two. I think season one slightly edges season two out, I'll be honest. I think I, I, I just think the introduction to the world and I think that the story that they were telling felt more dire uh, in the first season. You know, it, it, it felt like it... it Every character's life felt finite, like like they could end at any time. However, I think in in season two, I kind of settled into a place of complacency where I understood every single one of their uh, their roles within the story, and I and I I didn't expect them to shake it up at, at much at all, and they didn't. You know, they didn't shake it up at all. They really didn't. You know, they they really didn't play with uh, your expectations too much. It, it ended exactly in the same way I would expect it to end. However, I still enjoyed the ride getting there, and uh, it's it's a ton of fun. So I'm looking forward to season three. Good. Who knows when that'll be coming out, but supposedly that one will be called Sparrow Academy. So That's a good name. Yeah, you have to watch the season to get it. Or, you know, if you've read the graphic novels, uh, you know, You'll get it. However, what's what's interesting is you know they've done season one and season two, which are based on volumes one and volume two of the of the graphic novels. Season three will follow the third volume of the graphic novels, which only just came out in like 2018. Hmm. And Gerald Way has said he's got like five, maybe six volumes in them. However, they're not written yet, so he had to Gerald Way had to actually sit down uh, with the with the showrunners with Netflix and everything and, and kind of tell them like, this is where I want the story to go because just like game of Thrones, you guys are going to surpass me. I'm not writing these comics as fast as you guys are producing the TV show. So uh, once we get through season three, they will be kind of like off Gerald Way's script a little bit. They're going to just kind of be taking his story beats and the concepts and, uh, and, uh, and you know, where, where he had planned on going, but they're, probably going to be getting there in very different ways so yeah. it'll be interesting when the show gets to that point to see if like game of thrones if it has a drastic change in tone and pace and stuff what's this a song of ice and fire i suppose i come in for some heavy criticism oh i wouldn't say that yeah and that's on netflix right yeah yeah it's on netflix yeah so, well, speaking of Netflix, I actually watched a, um, and also a two episode kind of like a docu mini series of Sinatra, all or nothing at all. Um, Fly and, me to yeah. the moon, let me play among the stars, let me see what spring is like on Jupiter or Mars. 
Yeah, I you know if in you have words. any interest <laughs> in Frank Sinatra at all, I mean I think it's definitely worth a watch. It kind of starts from the beginning to the end, and you know obviously showcases a lot of his songs and also all of his love life. And you know he's not the be- the greatest guy in the world, but it also you know nah, you can mob, see mob connections. His, <laughs> yeah, you can see his charm, and you can see how some things were tied together and how things could be looked down upon. You know, a lot of times in his life. Let me tell you, my grandmother had a signed picture of Frank Sinatra in uh, her hallway when I was growing up. She she went to Atlantic City. She saw him perform live. She got his autograph. And that's stuff. worth some money, probably. I imagine my grandmother, like you know, like twirling her panties on her finger, throwing them at the stage at Frank Sinatra. You know what I mean? Like she used to make me moist when I watched the show. I would get, I omitted, I would get moist when I watched the show. Only white man ever did that. Like I, I feel like he makes women swoon. And ain't that a kick in the head? He does. Ain't that a kick in the head? I look. I I I love it. I love him. I I like that world. I like the idea of it all. You know that kind of. It's like a. It's like the whole lore of it all. You know what? Remember that? Um, remember that silly movie, Down with Love. It's kind of like a spoof with Renee Zellweger and Ewan McGregor. It's like a weird, quirky comedy, and it's very campy. And Can I say it's yes? In and the we'll move 50s on. Fifties or sixties, <laughs> something like that era. But it has like a bigger, a big spoof on that kind of era, like a madman type of era of everyone wearing suits and everybody's hypersexual and drinking during the day and smoking cigarettes constantly. And you know, and it's kind of it has that Rat Pack kind of feel, that Frank Sinatra type of feel. And I was kind of dug that kind of era and that feel. But anyway, I think it's worth a watch if you're interested in it. But um, other than that, you know, I watched Project Power that we're going to talk about shortly. Yeah. And, um, but before we get into yeah. that, I watched a movie just came to Hulu. It's called Sea Fever. That's C as in S-E-A as in, you know, Pirates, Seven Seals, Gar, and all that stuff. Uh, but no, it's it's called Sea Fever, and it follows a marine biologist who goes out on an excursion with. A, she hires a fishing crew uh, to take her out, and she's gonna you know do studies and collect samples and stuff while she's out with this crew. Lo and behold, though, she has red hair. Which, if you know anything about you know mariners' tales and and curses and stuff, red hair is a bad omen on a ship. And the the crew is a very tight knit crew. They're very close. They're very um you know they've been together for a long time. You know she's kind of the fish out of water there, no pun intended. But it, it, so it, it's kind of like an interesting dynamic where she's very much the outcast. She's very much the outsider from the onset of it. Uh, and and what she winds up coming across is that you know the ship gets trapped by a mysterious creature uh, that is under the ocean and it traps the ship by by its long tentacles and it holds it in place and you know the hull begins to kind of like erode and there's pieces of this of this organism just kind of like coming through the ship and before they know it there is some sort of like infection that comes along with that and the way i looked at it was like it's kind of like the thing meets uh underwater like we do there was that movie underwater that came out earlier this year or or any type of like um infection like horror but mm-hmm. it's it, it very much I, I i bet you if i talked to this director if i sat down with them and i was like was your inspiration for this movie the thing and they went 100 percent absolutely <laughs> 
<laughs> there's a scene where like they're they're trying to diagnose everybody and go through like like you know what the infection is how do we find it how do we know who's infected and like what does it do how do we kill this thing all that stuff i really enjoyed it but like it's not anything that i'm gonna say like you need to see it you know it's mm-hmm. more of like a if you got the time and there's nothing else on and you happen to have hulu pop it on i i enjoyed it i i thought I thought it was it was pretty decent, even though I did feel like the explanation for the creatures and stuff like that. It kind of felt like a little weak, but I did understand that that was just meant to be a vehicle for 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 this story of isolation and 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 loneliness. It's very much like the like like the thing and alien in that way where you're you're dealing with this sort of like pandemic in a very closed space with people that you don't essentially trust and it um you know it's i think i think it's worth your time it's just like it's not anything i need you to rush out and go check you know check out this minute but i i enjoyed it uh i believe it's an irish film again again with the irish films man Hmm. like i'm i'm like uh uh, i got i guess like i'm on an irish roll you know yeah nothing wrong with that but yeah I, i i enjoyed it jay i was actually when i was watching i was gonna text you and say like yeah maybe check this out like i think you might like you might find it intriguing, and that's like I, that's what I realized. I was like, if Jay watched this movie, he would say it was interesting, <laughs> and like that's all you would say about it. Like you wouldn't, you wouldn't have much more to add. But if you get the time, I, you know, you have my Hulu account. I've given it to you, so I and I thank you very much for that. I do enjoy it quite a bit. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, I mean, I, I I say check it out. I I say give it a shot. I thought I thought it was interesting. I thought there was elements in there to really enjoy. I think that they kind of shied away from some of those elements that I thought like would have been really interesting in in interest of telling probably like a tighter story. But I I, I think getting into those emotions a little bit more might have been might have made it deeper and 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 probably enriched its uh, you know your watching experience with it. But I think it's worth your time to check it out. Okay. Cool. Yeah, maybe I will. All right, Jay. So that does it for what me and you have been watching this week. But we we have one more thing to discuss. You know, Netflix, they they pump out a movie every week. Not every single movie is worth your time, but some movies that they that they come out with grab your attention and and kind of demand that you watch it. They almost become like like an event, right? Like, yeah, you know, I, I I think of things that that have come out in in Netflix that have been like must see stuff like like the irishman and you know things like umbrella academy stranger things and every now and then you see a trailer and it intrigues you and you're like you know what i'm gonna check it out mm-hmm. that's exactly what project power was for me so me and jay are going to get into our project power review power, power speak a little loud if there was a pill could give you five minutes so they get it i'm embedded with the power pure power i'm embedded with the power would you take it welcome to project power our goal is simple the next evolution of the human species you're taking one of those before it can make you strong make you invisible you never know what your power is until you try it. You push that power, don't you? Yeah. On the streets, they're talking about superpowers, but they're not talking about how one hit could kill you. What's the plan now? You took something from me. I gotta get it back. 
something. Oh, it's on one. So the first thing that grabbed me about Project Power in the trailer wasn't so much like what what the trailer was. I was actually pretty ho-hum on the trailer itself, but trailer editing isn't exactly Netflix's like hot point. You know, it's not it's not something that they're really known for. Well, that's but, very true. But it, it, it does have star power behind it. It's Jamie Foxx. It's Joseph Gordon-Levitt. But I think more and, than anything, it was the concept for us. that Exactly. We, the concept... Is extremely interesting. So it, you know, it, it's it's pretty much ordinary people get superpowers through the help of a magical pill for five minutes. Five minutes, and you know, I I, I like I like that concept because I feel like there's so much that you can do with that, and you also kind of feel like. It's almost could be right around the corner. <laughs> right, right. Like they could come up with something like that. <laughs> there have been concepts like this before. I remember, I, I can't quite remember the name of the comic, but I was reading a comic. It was about US soldiers who took a pill and were granted basically the powers of Superman or, or close to that. They could fly, they had super strength, stuff like that. And it, it was it was an interesting concept. And they actually did something with it. I think unfortunately this the series never finished, but it was it was something that was very interesting to me. And I and I felt the same way about this concept because there's so many ways that you can go with that, right? There's so many different type of characters that you could write in a story like that where, you know, someone takes the pill, you know, to commit a crime for five minutes that uh, a crime of necessity, you know. And, and or, or or you get the career criminal who takes it to to, to you know really screw it to the police and and, sure. and to the town and, and and to you know really abuse it, and, and then you get the people who who are taking it for you know singular purposes you know very much like uh, like like Joseph Gordon Levitt's character does mm-hmm. in in the film and stuff like that. But there's so many different ways that you can go with it, and this took none of those routes at all. So. I'm going to, uh, I have a brief synopsis for it right here. So Project Power follows a former Special Forces colonel, played by Jamie Foxx, who's teaming up with a slightly unhinged Big Easy detective, who's played by Joseph Gordon-Levitt, and a smart-mouthed streetwise kid. They take on a potentially governmentally-sponsored drug organization that is peddling drugs to the streets of the Big Sleazy that offer its abusers superpowers for five minutes a pop. This R-rated take on the superhero genre attempts to flip the concept on its head by clumsily infusing edgy dialogue and hyperviolence into what could have been an intriguing concept but quickly becomes an ever-mounting avalanche of missed opportunities. Instead, it comes off as Netflix really wanted to make a Michael Mann film but couldn't get Michael Mann, so they got Michael Scott instead, and the production winds up being less like Miami Vice and more like like Threat Level Midnight. Do we all have our copy of Threat Level Midnight by Michael Scott? Yeah. All right. Let's get this started. There's a little office reference for some of you fans who are catching the office before it jumps over on Peacock. <laughs> uh, but I mean, that's the way I felt about this movie, man. Uh, nothing but missed opportunity. Like, I, there's, there's, I agree. It's a wonderful concept. I, I really I like it. The, I like the concept. I think it was completely mishandled by the director and the cinematographer and obviously the writer and I think Netflix as well. I I, th- I think they didn't know exactly how to take on this genre. 
um, and they went the extreme other route. They went the sci-fi channel route. They went like right. the, the corny, over-the-top, glossy CGI, cheap effects type route where it would just make it campy fun and highly concept and, and just kind of you know, run with that. And, you know, there's an audience for that. Obviously, I think there's a lot of people out there who do enjoy this movie quite a bit. And I, I did not, I, I, I like, like I said, I like the concept of it all, but at the same time, you know, it was boring. And this is a movie that I would have easily have turned off 30 minutes into it. And, and after realizing what this movie was, cause I just didn't feel like wasting my time with it. Cause it's just not for me. It's just not for me. And, yeah. and I, and I, I stuck with it because obviously I knew we were going to review this. It's the, you know, a big movie release. Obviously we're chomping at the bit for anything new, any new content. Um, and why not review this kind of film? But for me, it wasn't my cup of tea. There was one great scene that I enjoyed. Like I think you know, you and I talked about with Joseph Gordon-Levitt. And he comes out of a shower, and it's a nice little oh, I comedic, love it. I love it. comedic little uh, scene that he does love that uh, with a bunch Absolutely of other did. characters. And I, I really appreciated that. I thought that was a lot of fun, and it worked. Right, and it was I disappointing. Mean, people do like this movie. Like the, this movie has a six out of ten on on oh, the IMDb score. It. Yeah, it's got a, it's yeah. got a sixty percent on Rotten Tomatoes. I mean, there, there's people who enjoyed it, but sure. when, when sure. I was watching it, you know, I I felt like the dialogue was written by a high schooler. Like I I felt like it had that type of like sophomoric humor to it. Uh, it it definitely wanted to be edgy, but it, I I felt like it didn't know how to go about it in like any type of smart way. It takes this concept of people getting superpowers for five minutes and it does absolutely nothing with it. You know, I, or I, explanation. I, you know, that's another absolutely. thing about it. Like a lot of times you see a lot of things happening and you're like, there's no setup or understanding or reasoning behind it. Like you, you, you're not helping us understand the, the decisions of either the characters or what the hell is even going on with uh, <laughs> the whole uh pill itself you know and, and the whole right. understanding of that it, it really just doesn't do a good job of explaining itself like there's no main villain there's kind of like this nameless right. organization this faceless organization that's peddling these drugs and you know we, we do get a scene where jamie fox's character who, who we know from the onset of the film is trying to take them down because he he spoilers i guess oh, is trying to locate his daughter who they are using to help manufacture this drug that basically gives people superpowers for up to five minutes and you would expect them to kind of explain how that is and stuff like that but instead it's 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 more the, the science of it is more left up to your imagination it's kind of like person has special blood special blood makes pills pills make people super done that's i mean it, it, and it's fine for it to be that simple but then everything else around the concept has to really flush it out and and that it doesn't happen at all whatsoever you know a person pops a pill the colonel takes them out and that's that's the that's the that's this movie uh, from from beginning to end that's this movie and there there are things that are interesting in it joseph gordon levitt is playing a detective in louisiana who takes this pill as as a result of escalation if criminals are using this pill i'll take this pill to take down criminals right like it's very much like this. this and I get punish- that. 
I like that. But it's it's very much this like Punisher type escalation where it's like bad guys got big guns. I got bigger guns. Kill bad guys. I'm good guy. I win. But we don't get into Joseph Gordon-Levitt's character Mm -hmm. deep enough to really understand him. He we get one scene with him sitting with his captain where he's talking about how he doesn't trust government types because the last time the suits showed up in Louisiana, they didn't exactly offer a whole lot of help referring to Katrina. Mm -hmm. And I loved that line, Mm -hmm. but I wanted his character to kind of carry that torch, carry that concept throughout the film, that chip on his shoulder. And he really doesn't. They really do nothing with his character whatsoever. And and it's the same thing with Jamie Foxx. He has a singular motivation here. He's a former colonel who uh, in special forces who was tested on with these drugs and he knows about them because of this and they you know st- uh, kidnap his daughter presumably because she's the one that was making the drugs but he didn't know that when he was a colonel they don't really explain the backstory that well at all and then you know it what what, what really got me was the fact that all right let's face it the, the 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 story has failed and and the script has failed we talked about the awful dialogue and and just the ham-fisted jokes that are thrown in as if it was written by a high school student but what we what you know what we what we didn't talk about here is the fact that like you know it is rated r and they definitely added violence and and they added uh, you know gore they added you know they added these elements in to to punch up that r rating but they didn't make them mean anything there's there's a moment where the colonel it's right in the middle of the movie where the colonel kind of like it his journey is kind of coming to a fruition. He's, he's meeting the people who are responsible for this. And there's what presumably would be an absolutely fantastic fight scene that is shot from a 360 degree where like he, he goes around a circular room fighting these people who are all taking superpowers. And it, I bet you it would have been an amazing fight. However, they chose to, sh- they chose to film that scene from inside of a glass tube that uh, a woman is taking, taking the pill and she's turning into ice powers. Yeah. So the glass is freezing up. So they completely obscure your view of this fight where they could have done a, a really cool. It's terrible filmmaking. It's terrible directing. Yeah. 360 one take fight with Jamie characters, with, with Jamie Foxx's character who I, I enjoyed the character. I got his motivation. I was cool with this. I, I liked his hyper violence. I was down with his methods, but instead uh, of giving us that, type of fight and that type of awesome action they decided to show off the fact that that they had a frost filter that they could put on the camera because it all gets obscured <laughs> obscured by this frost it was fucking awful what killed the dinosaurs and that was the moment where i turned on this movie where you know i I liked the concept i liked what they were building to i was waiting to see what they did with it if they went deeper with it so many far they go with it yeah right but then that scene that's when i realized i was like all right they're they're going nowhere with it they're they're not building the suspense they're not building the drama they're not building the action they're not ramping up to anything they're they're perfectly happy staying at a flat line the whole way throughout this film mm. uh, un- until its end time runs out. And Jamie Foxx's character, of course, we know that he's taken a pill before because the, the drug was tested on him when he was in the military. And But we don't know what it does. We get brief glimpses of it. And they tease it this whole time throughout the film that his power is something special. And he kind of explains it. And to me, 
you know, he explains it as like a pistol shrimp. And to me, I'm someone that's like, all right, that's pretty cool, right? Like a pistol shrimp can can clap its uh, claws together and, and, and it creates a force that's so powerful that, you know, it pretty much obliterates anything in its path. And it's, it's a really cool thing to kind of like explain to us and stuff. But when we see it, it's just like generic CGI coming out of this character's body that means absolutely nothing to me. Yeah. You- we said meh. M-E-H. Meh. Because there's no resonance for it. They, they kind of make you feel like there's some great sacrifice behind him using his power. You just but don't, ultimately, you don't feel it. You there's just nothing. Don't. No, no. Yeah. It, the, the movie is it's so weak. Yeah. It's, it's <laughs> so weak on every level where it's like everything could have been could have been great. It's just no one married the sum of its parts together in any type of way that would make you enjoy it. Nor, ultimately. You know, they really needed a, a clear leader with this project. And obviously nobody had that. There, they needed a Feige. They needed a Kevin Feige to come in there, understand the property, understand the script. And run with it because this has so much potential. And, you know, the script obviously got dockered. I mean, it got butchered probably throughout the shooting of this. And I don't know if that was Netflix or the filmmakers themselves, but it completely lost its way. Whoever wrote this or whoever had the original idea definitely had something going it's just never was able to take off from the ground so it's it's written by Matson tomlin mm-hmm. and it, you know he he is a writer on the upcoming you know the batman jay so he does have a is writing he? credit yeah, <laughs> on, on the batman and while it's not based on any specific graphic novel it very heavily borrows from a graphic novel comic book series that was written by brian michael bendis called powers so um it it, it is a kind of like a proven concept and if you're taking something that's a proven concept that's been popular within your genre that you're writing it for in the past don't you think that you would like to go you know deep if not deeper than than the than the things that have come before it that are in the same vein but you don't you know you just and, and i really don't blame the writer for this i honestly think that this may have been a a wonderful script at some point but Netflix likes to produce their popcorn films and they pump them out. Like my wife just watched The Lost Husband this weekend and I asked her, how was it? And she goes, it was okay. <laughs> you know, it was like, it was yeah. a romantic comedy with Josh Dumal and it was everything you'd expect it to be. And I was like, okay, that's exactly what I thought. And Netflix, you know, when they strike I, gold, it seems they strike sure. gold with people who have a very clear vision uh, of where they want to go. But when Netflix is in control of it, 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 it is something and, that exactly and you know very flat. well that like you know a, a great script is only going to stick with a great script if either the screenwriter has power or they are the director themselves or they have it in their contract where it's not going to get tampered right in any kind of way and he's a he's a young writer so this guy you know okay let's for example let's just say matt reeves took his original screenplay for project power and directed it himself i guarantee you it would be a whole different kind of movie than what we got 
<laughs> it should be said that that more than likely these two directors did get steamrolled by Netflix in some way because true, true. they are the directors behind Paranormal Activity 3 and Paranormal Activity 4. Uh, they are Henry Joost and Ariel Schulman. So um, look, uh, they're young directors. They only have a few things under their belts. It's nothing It's nothing to write home about. Um, it, it, but this being on Netflix, it, it, it was risk-free for them to do. Um, it was a paycheck and, and they got to cash it and they got to pay their rent for a couple more months and they're out there looking for their next project and the writer is out there writing his next couple of projects hoping that they get picked up well if the batman is fantastic then look out he'll have a a lot more he's not the sole writer on that one jay well (laughs) no it's just it's just him and matt reeves so it's obviously an original script from him and and then you know him and matt reeves um you know, polished it it's, up a little bit more. It, it's just it, what it comes down to. This is a bunch of missed opportunities. Jay, uh, we got to do a score, man. We got to get out of here. We got some uh, news to do. Yeah, yeah. Uh, uh, D plus, D plus. I, you know, it's only getting a D plus because of the concept and like one or two scenes that I thought were okay. Right. Um, I'm giving it a C minus. I like the early scenes with Jamie Foxx. I like the way we were introduced to that character. Uh, I do like the way that we're introduced to Joseph Gordon-Levitt as well, and I love that scene mm-hmm. with him as he sneaks into the uh, as he sneaks into to the yep. house and he and he kind of talks to the government stooges and he and he's kind of like, "What's the matter? You know, a skinny white boy can't be in love with a beautiful black woman." <laughs> I was like, <laughs> "It's just the way he delivers it. It's the way he he played that character early on in the film. It felt like it had so much potential." And we it, love ourselves it, some JG. Right? come on <laughs> so so yeah I, i'm at a c minus for it i mean I, I i i know i dogged on it the whole time i really didn't talk about like anything that i liked in it too much there's not a whole lot to like there but i do like the concept i i, I do like these two actors here i thought they did the best that they could with what was given to them and i don't fault them at all for it uh you know i just think it's it's just a series of unfortunate events that wound up on my streaming service and i w- wasted 90 minutes watching it and it wasn't it wasn't that bad to waste 90 minutes watching it. So uh, I, we're obviously not recommending it, but yeah, you're going to watch it anyway because it's on Netflix <laughs> and you have nothing else all, to do this weekend. So we're, we're running out of content. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Well, next week, if I, it's to whet the appetites a little bit, just to, just, you know, just to, dip the tip just for a minute just to see how it feels Mm. is the premiere of peninsula so i will have a review for peninsula next week if you're like huh what what's peninsula it's the sequel to train to busan (gasps) so oh yeah that is coming out to theaters on august 21st that's this coming friday and it's also coming to video on demand so if jay will join me by next week we should have a review for peninsula i whether it's worth your time i I will do my best i will be away on vacation but i will i will definitely try and do my best to um find some time to watch that all right that's gonna do it for our review of project power jay let's head over and let's get into our news news story all right so dc fandom turned out to be a little bit more than even 
DC fans could swallow. Uh, it was originally meant to be like almost like a 24-hour long event. It was going to all take place between August 22nd and August 23rd. They were going to have panels on everything from movies to their animated films to video games to comic books to like they they had it all planned out. Everything that is involved with the DC universe, they were going to have a panel on it. However, because that seemed to be too much, they've now split the event into two different days so saturday august 22nd that's probably several days after this episode releases they will have their first panel for dc fandom and that one will focus mainly on movies video games a few comic book things but the second the the second set of panels on september 12th that will focus mainly on television and the comic books but there are some interesting things that you might want to check out from DC fandom. So expect us to have a lot of DC news next week. It might just take over the whole episode. (laughs) We might actually just do a bunch of DC fucking news and we might just do, yeah, we might just do DC news and trailers and uh, like a trailer park. And then, um, and then our our peninsula review. review. Exactly. (laughs) I think we pretty much just told you what our next episode is going to be all about. Um, Next news story. All right, uh, much to my chagrin, as I said, that this wasn't going to happen, but apparently it is. We're soldiering on. Tenant tickets go on sale this Friday. Well, this past Friday for you guys listening, August 21st. Jay is already in the online queue right now while we are recording the podcast, practically. True. (laughs) If it's coming to my local theater, I will be there, and I'm going to be buying those tickets. Next news story. All right, Jay, this one I'm not so happy about because I felt like we've been down this road before. We got a Exorcist prequel way back in the early 2000s, and now in uh, 2021, we are going to be getting an Exorcist reboot. And uh, why are we rebooting what is still widely considered one of the best horror movies of all time? It's effective today. Yeah, I, I I know it came out back in the late 1970s, and it you know you would think that it's not as effective, but it's so effective today. It still works. It's the still so renowned. Are, I mean, people, even young people, know about that fucking title. Don't fuck with it. Just don't fuck with it. Don't but fuck they, me, but they, Jesus. They didn't fuck like me, a, Jesus. Fuck me, Jesus. Fuck me, Jesus. <laughs> They didn't announce a filmmaker, did they? No, 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 not not yet. This comes out of uh, Deadline, uh, who has reported that Morgan Creek Entertainment is gearing up for a reboot. I mean, they're credible. Um, Hmm. Yeah, I mean, it really does depend on what their approach is. Like, if they're, like, just trying to get a cash grab, fuck them. Like, that, fuck them. Like, why why would you do this to this property? Uh, You know what they're going to do? I mean, it's so sad. I just worry that it's going to be too much of like born out of the technology age, you know, like I, I'm not sure. I'm not sure what to expect from it. I just know that I don't need it because the original is still so effective. Yeah, exactly. And like I think about the like when a couple months ago when you and I were talking about like, could Jaws be rebooted? And it's like, it doesn't need to be. Exactly. It, it's, exactly. it's as effective then as it is now. It and, still works. And we still have boats. We still go in the ocean. There's still sharks. I'm still afraid. We're good. Sure. Sure. And it's no different <laughs> than, um, say, like The Shining, for example, right? Right. You know, we were, right, I think we might have talked about it or talked around it when Dr. Sleep Review came out. And, um, you know, the Doctor Sleep movie I loved. You loved too. And Love it. it was way more than we expected, I think. Um, the trailers, you know, didn't give us too much. It didn't give anything away. But the execution of that movie 
was something that was so almost impossible to do, but were <laughs> that worked. And and you know, here's the thing I do want to say. The story is that it's a reboot, not a remake. So, um, okay, very much expect it to kind of pay homage and kind it, of take place in the same universe sure, as the original one. Sure, uh, while kind of ignoring it and and kind of giving it a new jumping off point for new fans. So it may not be as bad as you and I are thinking. I'm just having flashbacks to to the Exorcist prequel that came out in the early 2000s, and I was like, I didn't need it it didn't enhance my story at all. The exorcist is still the exorcist and it's still good. So next news story. Speaking of reboots, Jay remakes, reboot remake. It's, it's all the same. It's, it's all two sides of the same coin. Planes, trains, and automobiles remake has been confirmed starring Kevin Hart and Will Smith. (laughs) You know, when I heard this, I was like, no, no really really i i I just it was so on the nose and kind of out of the blue that i didn't really believe it at first for a while for half a day (laughs) but i i just i'm not sure like transplants and automobiles is one of my favorite holiday films of all time so i I love watching this movie and it'll be impossible for someone like me to separate this from the original. However, looking at it from Hollywood's perspective, it, it, you know, the the 15 to 20 year old who will go to the theaters to watch this movie sure. because Kevin Hart's in it. The concept it, of it is it, perfect. It's going to work. It's perfect. It's going to exactly. work. Exactly. It, and, and, and that pairing, my God, are you kidding me? I'll, I'll be there day one. Are you kidding me? Yeah. <laughs> I'm not, I'm not complaining about it. I'm not complaining about the news, but it was just such a, you know, it just kind of came out of left field and I, I, right. I, it took me a little bit of time to digest that news. Um, but I'm, I'm uber excited. I really am. Obviously, Kevin Hart's going to be playing the John Candy character. Uh, I, I, th- I think that's, I think that's pretty obvious. I don't you know, he's, he's going to be playing good, the more. Uh, yeah, I really hope it is. Cause I, I really hope that they don't go against type because right, I don't right. think that's going to work at all. Yeah. It'd be harder to pull off if they. I did think that. this could work, yeah. but I I worry that this could very easily become like a night school. Like it could very easily be a very ho hum comedy with Kevin Hart that is just pumped out uh, to keep his star power, you know, in the zeitgeist. Yeah, but and, I think and Will, I worry about Will Smith has enough of an ego of of quality that he always tries to achieve to some degree. I think you're right about that. Um, yeah. That I think he's going to try and make sure there's there's at least some type of quality to it yeah well it's not due out for some time in 2021 so we will learn that day we will learn today next news story All right, Jay, uh, we, we talked about Matrix 4 a little bit throughout uh, our, our time in news over the past year, uh, and it's finally confirmed that Lawrence Fishburne, who has confirmed it himself, that he will not be returning for the Wachowskis, the Matrix 4. He and what he said was it wasn't that he was not returning as if like he kind of turned it down. He was not invited. So he was just never even made part of the story to begin with. Yeah, I mean, that's fine. Um, I just don't know why this news is coming out now. You know, it's so late. Um, I think they finished filming, unless they're in the middle of it still. I, well, let's I, I, don't, I don't exactly know, but that it's the Wachow- It's not the Wachowskis bringing out this news. It's it's Lawrence Fishburne bringing it out. So, 
the Wachowskis, it, to them, it was never even a thought that more that Morpheus would be. Right. It doesn't matter. It, it, it didn't even matter to the story that they were telling, so that's why they never mentioned it. Um, he's kind of mentioning it probably because either A, people have been speculating about it, or B, sure. He wants to put his name out there in hopes to get a cameo or or, or something um, of those lines. Yeah, perhaps, perhaps. But I mean, I think a lot of times people are just wondering that or expecting that because of the you know the John Wick series. You know, the John Wick series is the new modern age. Um, so many generations have been growing up with that franchise, and not so much the Matrix franchise with Keanu Reeves. So, you know. I think they're excited for the pairing of them two back together. And if it's not going to happen, I think people are going to be a little surprised by that because I think that that, that that alone will bring some people back to the theaters. Um, you know, I don't know. This is a little surprising because for some reason I thought he was in it. I thought it was confirmed that he was in this movie. It, so it, that's I, probably I because we did some news stories yeah. uh, in regards to – in regards to some character, sure. some actors possibly playing a younger version of Morpheus. Okay, so. fair, fair, yeah. Next news story. All right, our final news story this week. Uh, this one just dropped today as we are recording, but apparently Olivia Wilde has now been attached to a new Marvel movie from Sony that is taking place in the Spider-Man universe, much like Venom and Mor- Morbius. But the kicker is this movie that Olivia Wilde is directing will have a female protagonist in the lead mm-hmm. and this got people speculating all over the internet uh, most people came to the foregone conclusion that it was going to be a spider woman movie yes. some other people had speculated that it might be spider Gwen that it might be black cat that it might be uh, the jackpot movie all of which at some point or another Sony has mentioned that they may possibly make however apparently Olivia Wilde uh, has all but confirmed that it's 99% a spider woman film it, yeah or spider Gwen who knows but something in the spider <laughs> woman element uh for sure for sure she definitely pretty much confirmed that and so what i saw on social media earlier today was her teasing i believe on instagram a old photo of her son wearing a spider-man costume and then i think don't quote me on this for sure but as far as the timetable of these these posts from her but i know uh response to the deadline report of her taking on this role she retweeted with a spider logo emoji. So I think for the most part at all, but confirms for sure that it's going to be a spider woman or spider Gwen type element uh, character that she will be directing for Sony. And I'm excited, Dave. I really am. Cause I, I really loved book smart quite a bit list. I think it was last year. And um, I, I, I think this kind of goes to show that, you know, you know, not just she has a film in the making right now with stellar cast. That's going to be a uh, period piece, a little bit departure from Booksmart, and then going into a whole other type of um, different genre with with the studio. I'm excited. I think a lot of people understand that she probably has a pretty good level director head on her shoulders, and you know, she's so. been around 
gosh, she's been around the fucking Hollywood scene for so long now when you really think about it and many different genres. So she understands I, a I lot. Still remember, I still remember Alpha Dog very, very vividly. Uh, I, I remember the OC. Of the OC, Wilde. for Christ's sake. Oh, yeah. my God. Yeah, I mean, it's I've I've been around her since her, her very first days in Hollywood. And... Um, She's she's good. She's very respectable, and I'm I'm excited to see what her, what she does with this and her future with filmmaking. So, so uh, Jessica Jessica Drew is is the character mm. uh, in the comic books who becomes Spider Woman, and she is an agent of Shield uh, in the story. Oh. So that's going to be interesting to see how they kind of play with that. Um, and being as this is a Marvel Sony movie, I'm sorry, this is a Sony Marvel movie and not an MCU film, and it more than likely would not be shared with the MCU universe. So if it is a Spider Woman movie, I wonder how they'll get around Jessica Drew being a shield agent it's possible they just make her a member of swat or they make her a cop or you know a member of military or some other sort of clandestine organization um but it it, it, it will be interesting i like the character of jessica drew i you know i've never liked her singularly in in like any type of like singular role but i liked her when she showed up in spider-man and i've liked her when she's shown up she was a big member of the new avengers uh which was written by started with brian michael bendis way back in like 2004 2005 so um, I, I like the character in that time frame and you know they, they've done some some decent things with her since um, I believe the character is now dead in the universe I'm not 100% sure of that but it'll be interesting to see what they do with that character if that is indeed the story but I'll be honest as much as I like Jessica Drew as a character I, I, I feel like she's she, she's much like a Black Widow-esque character where she mm. is uh, it's not that Black Widow can't stand on her own I mean we have our own Black Widow movie coming out and they've done some great things with the character of late um i I feel like jessica drew what we know about her in the comic book universe is that she's worked well in in that team format where you know she she's very much a black widow character in the new avengers but i i i kind of hope it's a spider gwen in a way i really like that character in the comic books i really like that fits olivia wilde's style you know like you can kind of see like coming off of the heels of book smart you know and and just her personality i think she would be a good tailor-made fit for directing a, a spider gwen movie and i think it works financially as well right commercially because yeah. of off the heels of the spider-verse and you know people have been introduced to her character i think i think that would be the best fit and we do know that sony has mentioned doing a a spider gwen or an all spider female family sure, type there you go. film and this could very much be that movie however they've also mentioned that they wanted to do a spider woman movie as well so, so you know sony has really kind of like tried to sow their seeds they they, they spread their net out wide to catch mm. what they could with the news that they've dropped over the past year and a half uh, in regards to their spider verse you know they, they they really have been dropping a lot of sure. a lot of news out there about like maybe we'll do one of these maybe we'll do one of these and they're kind of trying to gauge fan reaction they are hurting think, for money yeah, i mean they, I they won big the with venom that was a big big win for them and, and they're, they're gonna stick with that for a while now but, but now they're a year away from ghostbusters afterlife making them any more money so you know they're they're drumming up the publicity now um I, look either way spider woman spider gwen i like the fact that olivia wilde's behind it um i hope she kind of brings a, a little bit of the comedy aspect that was there in book smart but in that smart way that I was done so. in book smart yeah. you know not in that venom way where yeah. it was absolutely no, awful I, I can't and imagine her doing 
that. jumping into a cold tank sure. to eat a raw lobster. I don't need <laughs> shit like that. I don't need it. What you know? What I need is for you to portray a smart, strong female character who deals with 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 both you know human problems and female problems and you know yeah. when 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 she's when we're doing the comedy you know we're doing it in a smart relevant way to the film that we're making so exactly. i think olivia wilde is the person to do that yeah so. i think we need you know we need a nice great hero for our, our young logan to look up to you know <laughs> logan loves spider gwen which is also <laughs> another reason why i exactly. secretly want it to be a spider by the time movie. this comes out she'll be primo age you know to watch absolutely this movie. So that's going to do it for our news this week. Me and Jay still got a top five coming up. So without any further delay, Jay, let's head over and let's get into that top five. Welcome back to our top five. Me and Jay got a top five list for you. This time we are doing the top five exciting directors of this decade. So uh, one of the things that like I had a problem with this list was I immediately went to Jay like, you know, it was first like a top five working today and stuff like that. Yeah, like hottest directors today. Right. Then it was like, okay, well, where are the best directors of the last decade and then it kind of exactly. got snowballed into something of a marriage of, of both but then it kind of went into more of what are you most excited for like from like a project for like the future with the like a essentially exactly. a young film to make, filmmaker so i kind of did a bit of a marriage of all three <laughs> so so like here's the thing like we, we took two completely separate approaches to this um you know i i feel like the way that you described it i know exactly who's going to be on your list I, you've probably mentioned them 110 times throughout the show i took this a different way because first off this is a very hard list it is for me to make because i'm not like you i don't nestle at the teat of some director you know i don't I do. <laughs> I, 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 yeah right i don't completely bloat and inflate uh you know the the prowess of any director but everyone who listens to the show knows that you fillet uh certain directors <laughs> Denis Villeneuve. so <laughs> uh for for, for me, what I wanted to do was there's there's directors that you and I have talked about on the show, and I feel like we've talked about some of them at nauseum. What I wanted to do in this list was kind of like shine a light on some standout directors that maybe have one or two films that I've enjoyed, and I really look forward to see what they have coming next from yeah. them. So I, I feel like yours is going to be more of like they've clearly established themselves as a hot director between the years of 2010 and 20 sure, and 2020 sure. mine are going to be more like, like an Olivia Wilde. Had, she's probably not on exactly. your list, but like, I'm just saying like no. for an example, she's only had one film obviously, but exactly. you can just kind of tell she's on that path of potentially right. being a really most good filmmaker. Of my directors are in most of my directors are in that vein where they have one or two films. I'm excited to see what they have coming out. And I think if you hear their name attached to it, or you see from the director of, you know, a film that they've made, you, you definitely should give it more than just a glancery look. So without any further ado, Jay, let's get into this top five, man. What do you have for your number five exciting director of this decade? I am going with Safty Brothers for my number five. Hundred percent knew that this would be on your list. I swear to God, I can rattle off your you list right now, but I won't. Could. 
<laughs> I won't do it. You might come close to the order even, but I, I yeah. who knows? We'll see. Um, Ardent listeners of the show are like me and can definitely <laughs> rattle off your list. But anyway, Safety yeah, Brothers. Um, three films, heaven knows what, good time, and uncut gems. I saw- I still love that title. Heaven knows what. Yes. So I saw heaven knows what before, you know, obviously good time, and, and this one- was just a, like a classic Jay's Indie Corner type film. Very guerrilla style New York filmmaking, you could tell. So from the moment that I saw Heaven Knows What and I, I saw this kind of new style, this new kind of energy, I, I had a feeling and I, I and I stuck with them and Good Time delivered for me. And then obviously last year's uncut gems, you know, uh, right. rehashed that same feeling and thought. And I'm excited for their future because they have kind of developed their own type of style and energy and it's new it's fresh and it's exciting and i can't wait to see what they do next i will agree with you there i i think they've developed uh, their their own very unique style which i think is something that people need today to help them stand out in in, in, a, in a form of hollywood that is kind of becoming i think pretty homogenous pretty bland as everyone kind of you know at least in big hollywood as they try to um mm-hmm. As, as they try to like kind of ape the style of what's successful I, I I you know I think the thing about the Safety brothers is they're they're very steeped in their indie origins I don't see them breaking out very much which is why they don't make my list at all and out of their three films that that you mentioned heaven knows what and <laughs> good time and then of course uh the one that I like the, uh, of the three uh, uncut gems uh you know I, I don't. I don't see them breaking out of that mold. I, I don't well. need I, them I, to, and that's that's right. that's part of the thing. Like I, 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 they don't have to. You know, they really just don't because I think we need stories in this kind of vein and that kind of world more. And I think it's it's powerful enough. You know, you can do a lot of things with it. Very well. All right. So my my list, like I said, is very different. Mine aren't recognizable names. Like I feel like the Safety Brothers uh, film fans may know who they are, and some film fans may know people from my list. But my list is is very much you know. I've liked something from them and I'm very curious to see what else they have. These are all mainly very new directors with only several films under their belt. So I'll probably mention a name and then I'll tell you what movie they've done that you are familiar with and should garner your attention. So first up, my number five, Jay, is Young Sang Ho. Uh, Now, you may not recognize that name. You may be expecting me to say like Bong Joon Ho. That's not that's not it. This is Yan Sang Ho. And you've definitely heard of his hit directorial debut, Train to Busan. Now that I mean it's it's not the very first movie that he's directed, but it's definitely the one that has garnered him the most attention. He did come out with a film in 2018 called Psychokinesis, which I really, I really enjoyed this movie. Like it, it kind of took it, 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 it kind of took his style into a completely different direction uh, away from the horror element and more towards like the, the the sci-fi superhero nature and we will be reviewing his next movie mm. next week peninsula yeah. uh which which should be coming out uh, but th- i mean what puts him on this list is i feel like this guy is the next Bong Joon Ho, like I, I feel like he's he's taking genres that we're very familiar with, and he's doing them in a unique way that us as American film audiences are not familiar with. You know, people in in Korea, in South Korea, they know this guy's name, and you know, 
coming soon, we will have Peninsula. And I feel like if this film is good enough, it will solidify him as a bona fide name to watch. You know, um, I look forward to seeing what other genres he can take on. Like he's like he's flipped the, zo- the zombie genre on its head and he's done something unique with it. And he's made it this this extremely fast paced, but also extremely heartfelt type um, you know, type story. I look forward to seeing what he does next. So that's why he makes my list, because I, I, I feel like Anytime I I see the, you know something that'll be advertised as from the director of Train to Busan, it's gonna it's gonna definitely raise my eyebrow and make me want to check more out from sure. them. Sure. All right, Jay. What's your number four? Uh, my number four is my number four is my own personal most controversial one personally that I put on here because there's only two movie credits under their name and they have nothing in the pipe. However, um, I think they are a as of right now, a genre filmmaker that is absolutely brilliant. And I think they can do no wrong from what I've seen so far. And that is Alex Garland. Um, Alex Garland has done ex machina, uh, annihilation and he, you know, has done the, the miniseries does, but I, you know, I'm not counting that because you know, it's a miniseries and you know, cause we're talking movies. Yeah. Here. And, yeah. and, 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 and it's, and, and the fact that he has so much hand in dread 3d, that we both literally loved as well. Um, I'm taking that kind of looking as a sidebar appetizer inclusion. You say he has nothing in a pike, but I, he actually he does have something in. Well, the pike, it's not on his I'll IMDb. Talk about that it's later. not as on in his IMDb. Put it that way. But oh, it is, sir. You're only looking at his directing credits. You're not looking oh, at his writing credits well, okay. uh, because he is. He he has been behind some pretty prolific films too, as he's written Twenty Eight Days Later, Sunshine, and Dread, which I've 3D, all which, adored. Right. Yes, and, right, and, exactly. And, and of course, Ex Machina, Annihilation, right. and the miniseries right. Devs, which. Right. Was fantastic on FX. Yeah. Uh, he also is the writer behind the Halo. That's right. That's right. Movie. Yeah, which that's is coming the, the Gyllenhaal soon. thing, right? Um, right. Which has yet to attach a director. Yet. Yeah. So this, you know, he. So the point is, <laughs> this is one of those kind of guys. Like, obviously, has a little bit more of a, a a tone for the heightened reality of things, but keeps it grounded. You know, so it's like a, almost an element of sci-fi. But he grounds it into smart filmmaking, and it looks beautiful, it's written beautifully, it's shot beautifully, and you can't help but not be excited for him to come out with a new movie. I I, I, I can't disagree with you on that one. Uh, All right, Jay, my number four is Karen Kusama. Now, it's it like unlike yours i don't think it's a recognizable name uh and she she definitely has some stinkers under her belt being the director of 2005's eon flux and 2000's girl fight uh and she also was a director behind jennifer's body which mm. i underrated i would Jennifer. say i would say i would say yeah i defend i defend it as well i do i do yeah yeah but the film that really grabbed my attention from her was 2015's The Invitation with Logan Marshall Green. It's a film that you and I have talked about before. I absolutely sure. love the style of that film. She also was a director uh, for the 2017 horror anthology movie, Double X, which is all horror films, which uh, all horror short stories that, that have female protagonists or female leads in it. She's also done... 
big directing roles on things like Billions and Halt and Catch Fire, but this past and The Outsider, uh, but this past uh, in 2018, she was the director behind Destroyer. Now, this was the film that garnered a lot of critical buzz with Sebastian Stan and Nicole Kidman. I really enjoyed that movie. I I absolutely love her style. She she has this way of of blending drama with visuals. Uh, you know, kind of much like Alex Garland does. Um, and and she really knows how to how to bring about these these little nuances in 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 her scripts in a very visual way. Like I, it's one of the things I took away from the invitation. There's all these tiny hints throughout its visual storytelling mm-hmm. that 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 kind of are leading you to its ultimate conclusion. However, she still leaves you with just enough for you to feel like that's a surprise, right? Uh, And also, of course, uh, like anyone that's going to be on my list, she has a fantastic horror background behind her. And I look forward to anything that she's going to be doing from here on out. So it it makes my, she makes my list because, you know, I'm, I'm curious to see what her next, the invitation is going to be. What's the next one that's going to really blow my mind? Interesting choice there, yeah. All right, Jay, what is your number three? I am going to go with Taika Waititi. Um, I know, you know, you know, he... For me, he's just so exciting and unpredictable. I think that's one of the things. If you didn't see Jojo Rabbit, would Taika Waititi be on your list? Yeah, yeah. I know know you love what we do in the shadows. Well, yeah. I mean, it's not just what we do in the shadows. Hunt for the Wilder People, Thor Ragnarok, who would have thought, and... And but also he, he he comes out with Jojo Rabbit like I the, right and 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 the the fact that like Jojo Rabbit just solidifies that he can do something more you know with a little bit more levity um, is fantastic and it really does solidify I think his proper filmmaking skills if you want to call it that like where he's he's got more of a rounded uh, talent you know behind the camera and i and i obviously love his comedy and the fact of him as a writer and an actor and everything included and helping out with uh the mandalorian series and stuff like that so he is just a guy i can't help but feel giddy and feel excited about anything that he wants to get attached to so if he wants to direct a fucking movie my god i am there day one (laughs) Because you know it's going to be completely original and 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 by golly, probably goddamn high quality as well. So you know he definitely is an exciting filmmaker for me and new and still on a new side. You know, here's the thing about that. Like like, like I talked about at the beginning before we started these lists. Like I feel like in my mind, Taika Waititi is established now. Like you know, Thor Ragnarok obviously put him on the scene. There, he he had buzz in the film industry. Prior to that, for what we do in the shadows and hunt for the water people, where you know film fans really enjoyed those films and they told their friends to go check them out, which is what landed him Thor Ragnarok, which really put him on the scene. And then Jojo Rabbit, which is an Academy Award-winning film at this point, solidified him, which is why he doesn't make my list because in my mind, like he's established. Like it's, you know, I I, I think I took I this that. more as yeah, I think I took this more as like these are people that like you want to see more I of, know. but they're not quite there yet you know what we, i mean i i, I think yeah so we we apologize everybody is, to the, our listeners because right. you know we we which is we, why i um, told you this was we had a co- yeah we were back and forth a lot this afternoon trying to uh 
figure out exactly how to I, narrow I told it down. You it was ambiguous. If, and yeah, yeah. Well, you know, I I went with the more exciting route, and, and Dave went with more of the exciting, um, well, upcomer I mean, route, I, like more the upcomers, you know, like a legit upcomer type route. I say that. I say what I said about Taika Waititi, and then I talk about the next director on my list, <laughs> who I guess some could say is just as established as Taika Waititi. However, my next he two are very qu- established. <laughs> right, he doesn't quite have his Jojo Rabbit yet, if you know what gotcha. I mean. Uh, so I'm talking about Ryan Coogler. Uh, that's uh, my number three. Fruitvale Station and Creed obviously showed the absolute talent of him as a storyteller and his his way to just completely evoke emotion from the characters in his films. Uh, and, but then he established himself a little bit with Black Panther. However, I, I feel like when I watched Black Panther, I wanted more from it. You know, I still love the movie, but like there was more that I wanted from. I thought there was still some stuff left lacking from it. And I feel like if he could marry, you know, the, you know, the characters that he created in Fruitvale Station and Creed with T'Challa, you know, I he he did that with the villain in in Black Panther. You know, he 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 married that type of emotion with the villain, not with the main character. If he could do it for the main character when he directs Black Panther two, then you know, I I I, I think he he's definitely a name to watch for sure, hundred percent. I mean, I absolutely love this dude's form of visual storytelling, um, and and just the way that he's able to evoke emotion onto the screen. And I mean, I I, I there's very few movies that have made me cry in the way that Fruitvale Station made me cry. Uh, and I'll, I'll be I'll be honest, like that movie tore my heart out. Yeah. I remember I watched that movie on vacation with my wife in San Diego on a rainy day. Mm. Like it was a vacation yeah. that was meant to be fun in the sun and beach and yeah. sand and all this good <laughs> stuff. And it was a rainy day. And I was like, oh, let's watch Fruitvale Station. And she's like, I've never seen it. And I was like, neither have I, but I've heard good things. And we watched it. Yeah. And I think we both wound up just sobbing, eating pizza and drinking beer. <laughs> Any director who can do that to me, <laughs> I want to see more of. I hear you, dude. I hear you. That's a great choice, and I, I, I attest to that. I mean, powerful stuff. I like him a lot. I think he is a extremely uh, well-regarded and promising young filmmaker coming up the ranks. All right, Jay. Before we get into our honorable mentions, you've got a number two. Yeah, my number two is Denis Villeneuve. Um, Denis is... No, say it the right way. Denis Villeneuve. Denis Villeneuve. I will be honest. I thought this was your number one. So yeah. So I I put him at number two because of the fact that he has the same tone throughout all of his movies, and my number one has more of a diverse uh, filmography. And I love Denis. Has done no wrong so far in my book. Every single movie that he's come out with, from Enemies, Sicario, Prisoners, Arrival, and Blade Runner twenty forty nine, and upcoming. You know, Dune, I'm sure we're going to be seeing a trailer probably in two to three weeks, pretty much right before Tenet drops. Uh, we'll be seeing our first footage. But regardless, I think it is smart and adult and intelligent filmmaking that is expertly crafted and done. He's a perfectionist. Um, everything is still original, still fresh, and I can't help but feel giddy any single time that he's going to get behind the lens so kudos to him i uh, i love the guy he's he's definitely my my number 
Uh, well, my hey, number two I'm, in this in this list, but uh, <laughs> in this list, right? But I, I do Look, really adore him. I, I know he's number one in your heart. I know you dangle from the pubic hairs from his from his sack, <laughs> the Canadian I, sack of his. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like he, I, I know you love him. French I mean, Canadian. I, I really, right? <laughs> I enjoy his films as well. Like you know, How obviously. Can you not? <laughs> Blade Runner 2049 has is it's probably up there and this might be a bold statement but it's probably one of my top 5 of this decade like I loved that movie so much and I don't you know I, I was recently wow that's that's a bold statement a, yeah uh, in in a, in a Reddit chat where like people are like what are movies that you wish you saw in the theaters and like there's a lot of like you know the younger people saying like I wish I saw Star Wars I wish I saw this I wish I saw that and like I saw one comment that was like I wish I saw Blade Runner 2049 in the theater and I immediately jumped on and I was like I saw it with my best friend and we saw it in uh, in we saw it in Dolby and it was absolutely gorgeous and my seats vibrate and it tickled my balls and it was an absolutely <laughs> pleasurable experience. <laughs> like, I loved every minute of it. Um, it's probably one of my favorite movie going experiences in the past 10 years. It's probably one of my favorite, yeah. at least top five films of the past 10 years. So I get why he's on your, on your list and um, he, he's, he's, you know, in there for me as well. But, but again, we, we already I, talked about this before. It's just, yeah, he's another know, established yeah. guy. He's a name. Yeah. I know his name. We've talked about sure. him on the show a ton. Um, so Jay, my number two, this is somebody who he kind of made his bones in horror, uh, being a writer, being a producer. He was originally, you know, behind twisted pictures and all the saw films. He's now, uh, very much seated in the Bloomhouse camp. He's the director of insidious chapter three, not my favorite insidious film. Got to be honest with you. In fact, it's my third favorite insidious film behind insidious one and insidious two. Uh, but he did direct a film in 2018 that you and I were absolutely blown away by and were kind of gobsmacked at it when when I saw the director's name. He was behind Upgrade, which is a film that we absolutely loved. And he yeah. just directed the 2020 film, The Invisible Man, which I think was kind of an achievement for him in sure. more of like a mainstream way. Sure. Uh, it's Lee wan is my number two. Um, I am so curious as to what this guy has coming next. I, I like your pick. I like your pick. I do. I do. I think that's a, a uh, a, uh, I should not be surprised by you picking him, and I think he is a extremely great young talent. Um, he has a lot of credentials, you know. He does a lot of like odd, like you know, acting stuff. He's done a lot of writing things and some producing stuff. Yeah, he does. And you know, he, and he's, he has, he's definitely like the film kid who 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 had you know, a lot of friends and 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 got his sure, things sure. shopped and put out there. But, but I mean, he's, he has the he's doing the Wolfman. Wolfman coming he's doing up. Wolfman with my yep. boy Ryan Gosling. So God damn. Yep. He's got I'm Wolfman excited coming for up, that. <laughs> and then he has the 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 reboot of Escape from New York coming out yeah, down the pipe too. That's in the 2022-2023 range coming out. But there's also, Jay, I remember we talked about the upgrade, how we would love to see a sequel yeah. to it. There was news that there was going to be a sequel to it. Well, that sequel has now been moved to a television series or a, a, a mini that, That's fine. So, and that he's going to be behind that as well. So, I mean, I, I, I love this dude. I, I, I like the way that, I mean, obviously he writes the scripts for the films that he directs uh, when it comes to Upgrade and, and The Invisible Man. So it's, it's something that like, I, I feel like when you write it, you're married to it. Uh, and when you're directing it, you, know, you get it I respect it more. that. I understand it 100%. You, yeah. you have more of a clear and more personal understanding of what you're doing <laughs> and what you're directing and moving forward. And, and, and it is. It's it's an undertaking. And, and it's, again, everybody has to remember, too, 
so much of directing is in the editing room. The editing room yeah, so is <laughs> the the most so, underappreciated aspect of filmmaking. <laughs> he's got a lot of head. Of, he's got a lot ahead of him, and he's not quite established as a director yet. Oh, it's coming. Yeah, but what he has underneath of him is it, it's it, it's done it for me so far. So when I see the name sure. Lee Wan Al, I go sure. and, and he's directing it. I go, yeah. It's worth. It's at least worth my time. It's at least worth my ticket. And you price. can tell that the studios are behind him. And and let's be honest. Now, well, but, now well, it's taken him since two thousand four to 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 get yeah, there. Though. But, but know, sometimes it's, it's, sometimes that's what it there. takes. Sometimes it's all you know. That's all it takes. And and look, you know, Ryan Gosling, he doesn't choose just any filmmaker. You know, he chooses wisely. Usually, usually, most of the time, hundred percent. So. You know, if he's choosing to to come on board with him, then you know that's a good sign. So, all right, Jay, you got any honorable mentions that you want to throw out there? Too many. Where I could not edit I my you. honorable mention list. So, Dave, yeah. go ahead. All right. So here's the thing. Like my honorable mention list, it some of it does fit in some of those names that we've talked about in the show before. Um, so, like I got like Jordan Peele on there because obviously, Get Out. That's fair. Such that's a perfect, fair. yeah. Such such a perfect movie. Us not. I, I, a lot of people talk about it like it's a misstep. It's not a misstep. It just no, wasn't. It's, it's still a solid film. Get it's out solid film. It's still a solid film. And I look forward to Candyman coming from him. And I still think he has. He he you know, he, he he will be a prolific director one day. Um, I just feel like he's such a name that's been pushed out there so much yeah. that I didn't put him on my list. Get Get Out was big. Right. Denis Villeneuve, which you've talked about. Mike Flanagan. Uh, Mike Flanagan was obviously behind Hunting sure. on. on Haunting at Hill House, uh, which was on Netflix, but then he also just recently done Doctor Sleep, which you and I loved. He's done a few other horror films, which which have garnered some attention, but he's not quite there yet. I think he needs another horror film under his belt that really garners some big attention before he jumps in to things uh, in in the bigger atmosphere of filmmaking, like Andy Machete has done, where he's been behind it. Now he's going to be directing the Flash film, so I feel like Mike Flanagan is just one step away from being an Andy Machete. Uh, Gareth Edwards. And here's the thing about Gareth Edwards. I felt like Gareth Edwards has not quite gotten there yet. I feel like, you know, he did monsters, which would, which was great. You know, he's had a few films under his belt, obviously rogue one, which we know he directed Mm -hmm. maybe from varying reports between 50 to 80% of, (laughs) um, and, but I loved monsters so much and I, I really do like rogue one so much. I love his use of scale. I just love the way he shows giant things being giant and just does them in such absolute detail and meticulous detail that like, I want to see more from Gareth Edwards and I want to see what he does off the leash a little bit. Um, something more akin to monsters, but maybe a little bit bigger of a scale with a little bit bigger of a budget. Um, so that's why he's on honorable mentions and not in the top list. And then finally Bong Joon Ho, I put him on here because he's still a name that maybe not the average person has heard, but film people now know him because of parasite this year and, and a little bit because of Snowpiercer. but also, you know, if you haven't seen the host, I mean, you got to check the host out. It's, it's so good, but uh, you know, he's a name that we're going to be hearing for a long time to come. So I, I, I left him off the top five list because I feel like with parasite B 
being what it was. It's now firmly established him. It's the same reason I left people like uh, Edgar Wright, Jason, Jason Reitman, and Greta Gerwig, and James Wan. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I've left those people off my list because I feel like they're they're established now. Where you know they're and and James Gunn also in that list and Taika Waititi. They're established now. These are people that are going to continue making films for years to come to to probably middling degrees. You know, they're established enough in their career where they can make a stinker and move on from it. Where most of the directors on my list, they're people where like they're they're one stinker away. Yeah, they're one stinker away from you know from <laughs> from from being just a name on IMDb, you know, instead of making a name for themselves. Which brings me to my number one, Jay. Uh, but before we get into my number one, I want to hear yours. Yeah, so my number one is Damien Chazelle. Ah, uh, uh, he I, I I would have had hearing that Denis Villeneuve was your number two. I was confused about who was your number <laughs> one, but. It's so obvious now. Yeah, yeah, it should be. Um, yeah, so you love those. I, Fr- you love those French boys. I, well, no, he's, he's American boy. Um, Whiplash. He's yeah, California with a French name. Yeah, with, perhaps, with, with, with a perhaps, French name. Perhaps. Draw me like one of your French girls, Denis. Mm. <laughs> Draw me like one of your French girls, Damien Giselle. I'll tell you what. From the moment I saw Whiplash and that fucking ending, I knew this guy love was. That super special and and would have been on our your list if 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 he only came out with that movie alone probably because it was that powerful yeah definitely um la la land was it, it's just fucking magic i i i, you I, I absolutely you and i differ there love that so. movie so much and i have talked about it enough on this show um and then first man i think it's an underappreciated film i i think you know it it got it, it got looked over in that year when See, it came you and out. I differ and I, there. I, I, think, I think it's an achievement in sound editing, which no it won an Oscar for. True. And it is not much of an achievement in anything else. I think visually and sound editing, it's it's great. Yeah. I feel like it, it, it as far it it just wasn't the punch that I wanted it to be. Quite like Whiplash was. Sure, like, sure. Yeah, I felt like it was his step into his half step into big Hollywood. His tonal step that he took for this project was a bold step, right? It was very mel- melancholy in a way, you know. And and but it was phenomenally gorgeous, and it did have a sense of direction. Um, and I think it kind of it got to that point. And I think it stayed true with what he was going for tonally, and I think it really worked. I I, I purchased the movie. Even I mean, it's it. Look, I understand it's not for everybody, but um, no. but the thing is with him, his filmography already so far has been extremely diverse, and I think he's extremely young and intelligent, and I think he's going to be doing a lot of incredibly original and versatile things going forward so right this- well, his his next movie is babylon yeah. uh which is set to come out in 2021 towards the end of 2021 and it's going to have brad pitt emma stone and toby mcguire yeah. and it's another film about hollywood so it's it's it, it, it it's kind of him like the, yeah that telling stories about what he knows growing up in that area yeah yeah so i'm excited i'm excited i think i think he's going to choose really interesting projects and i'm just uber excited for what he does next because i wish him luck i i really i really loved whiplash yeah so i wish him luck (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> i i really don't i'll be honest i differ with you here i don't think damien chazelle is going to be a name we hear in 10 years oh i disagree i definitely disagree on that 
hard. Fair obviously. enough. Fair enough. Um, All right, Jay, my number one, uh, I, I think it was way back in year number three or number four. Uh, it's Alex Garland. Uh, I, I don't think this is that this is too hard for anyone to figure wow. out yeah. that my number one would be Alex Garland because I absolutely love most of what he's written. Um, yeah, we, sure. we talked about it a little bit. He is the ghost director behind Dread 3D. It may not have been his name as director on the credits, but he, he definitely is the one that stepped in and finished that movie and made it what it was for film fans like we are. Uh, and of course, Ex Machina, which I, you know, it was one of my favorite films oh, yeah. just like i talked about I think it was your one, one or two top, of the year yeah and and it's definitely one of my top five films in the past you know 10 years probably sure. i absolutely love that movie annihilation is another favorite of mine i absolutely i think that's where he really got to flex his visual style his visual storytelling i and i, I do love the story and i yeah. think that i think it's a it's 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 one of those things where like that was a thin line to walk on and he actually it was, really went right, went because, for it on the surface, yeah. I, I love Annihilation because on the surface, the story still works. But the more and more you watch it, the deeper and deeper it goes and the more psychological it gets and the more it fucks with mm-hmm. your mind. And I absolutely love that aspect of it. He he, he doesn't have anything on, on his plate coming up director-wise, but he is writing the screenplay for the Halo film, which we talked about earlier, um, which does not have a director attached to it. And what I wouldn't give to have one of my favorite game franchises being written by I th- what I think is, is one of the best sci-fi writers that has that has come out in in the past you know 10 to 20 years and also be directed by the guy who directed ex machina and annihilation i think that would all just marry with the halo universe so well and would also establish him as more than just like this this offbeat sci-fi director and i th- i think he just he he's working in this medium that is growing in our zeitgeist like you know the the sci-fi genre is is growing and i think he is one of those people who understands the he absolutely understands the genre in in such a deeper way and he's able to take it to that level and it's a genre that i'm absolutely in love with and i can't wait to see anything else he does in it so i know my number one is not a surprise at all um but i he he's definitely someone that like when his name gets mentioned it perks my ears up and i go yeah i'm in doesn't matter i'm in he's writing it he's directing it if he's behind the project in any way shape or form i want to know what came across his desk that garnered his attention so much because I'm in, I'm, I'm down with this dude so much. Um, I know some people differ from me where like they're, they were ho-hum on annihilation. Me, I, w- I was full, full in on it. I think I gave it a f- like almost a full letter grade higher than Jay did. You know, when I watched it, I absolutely loved that movie. It's uh, and I, I just, I, I, I can't, I can't talk about, you know, this dude's uh, minor achievements enough and I can't wait for him to get his first big achievement. Yeah, it'll come, buddy. It'll come. So that's going to do it for our list this week. Please let us know if there's any names that we did not mention throughout our top five list. If there's someone that you think we should have paid a little bit more attention to, maybe we missed a film by them and we haven't seen it. It'll help me and Jay uh, you know, check it out. Maybe we'll talk about it on the show. You can reach out to me on Twitter at SuperMoviePod. You can reach me on Facebook, SuperMoviePod podcast and also on instagram super movie bros and if you want to reach me on twitter um i am at j underscore smb and of course if you're enjoying the show please consider leaving us a five star review on the podcast listening app of your choice if you're listening to us on itunes just leave us a five star review write us 
a brief review and we will read it on the show. So I want to give a big special thanks to anybody who listened to our episode top five movies that might have been better rated R. That has been one of our highest downloaded episodes in the past couple months since me and Jay took a hiatus. A little bit of uh, of our numbers have dropped, but that episode did really, really well for us. So I want to thank anybody who took the time to listen Thanks, to that guys. episode and who is also listening to this episode. I want to also want to thank all of you guys who reached out to me on social media to both congratulate, but also give me advice on creating our new logo. Uh, you might notice uh, on your thanks, podcast. Everybody. That yeah, we, that's awesome. We we do have a new logo. Uh, I did put kind of like a poll out there where I was like, which logo is better? I love, you know, the old SNES cartridge and both me and Jay as Funko Pops near it and stuff like that. There were a few votes for that, but most people felt generally that the new logo both invokes the name of Super Movie Bros, but also invokes the fact that we are a film podcast as well. I'm very happy with it. Jay can attest that I probably spent about six to seven hours coming up with this logo as I sent him you know, several different proofs of it. So I want to thank you guys who reached out to me on, on social media, on Twitter at Super Movie Pod and gave me the validation that this is the, this is the route we should go for our new logo. Yeah, so I think it's perfect. Thanks everybody. And of course, if you're really enjoying the show, please check us out on Patreon. We have additional content over there. You can get all that additional content on Patreon for just $1 a month. Uh, that is patreon.com slash Super Movie Bros. I want to thank everybody for listening. Have a great one. Cheers. Cheers.